Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ultimate Sports Mashup, where we discuss insane sports matchups that would only happen in our wildest dreams. We each select one of the very best sports teams in history and match them against each other to see who would come out on top. From the pros to the underclassmen, football, basketball, and everything in between, with a totally even playing field before us and our imaginations to help us guide our respective claims, who do you think would be the ultimate champion? so much for joining us on the ultimate sports mashup my name is jay your host and as always sitting across from me i have my co-host cam how you doing today cam what's going on jay everything is good over here we're back on the ice so that's always a good uh good topic for us we're back to hockey um drinking a nice cold lime and kugel here so hey, you know i'm getting my hydration go. on and uh we got a little curveball for the for the listeners today so everything's going good over here how about you jay I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, I think the ice matches the current Wisconsin weather. Spring has not quite been given to us yet. It's looking a little icy out there right now even. And uh, so, yeah, no, it's a good thing we're headed back to hockey today. I'm excited. NHL playoffs are getting started. And for once, I think for the first time pretty much ever, I'm paying attention. (laughs) I think (laughs) thanks to this show is I'm actually like paying attention a little bit, which is something I never thought would happen. So I'm definitely appreciating the ultimate sports mashup a little bit today. But uh, yeah, you're right. We've got a special episode, not just because we're talking about hockey, not just because we're talking about some absolutely fantastic players, but because we have a guest. I am extremely happy to introduce my co-host from Super Bracket Bros, Elia Stokes. How are you doing today, Eli? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's so interesting hearing Jay interact with the other co-host of his other show. (laughs) And I'm comparing (laughs) notes. (laughs) Yeah, things are a little different. I think you guys, the listeners, are going to be able to tell uh, Jay and I are newer friends, Eli and Jay. They go way back. They go way back. So uh, this is this is going to be really, really fun. And who better than than Eli? He knows how things work. He knows how uh, podcasting works. And uh, we we worked together uh, before. So uh, definitely going to be a lot of fun today, boys. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. And if you're curious how this is going to kind of break down is actually, I mean, just in general, as a show note, we are looking to have more guests on. And it's for this reason. We want Eli, we want our guests to play judge. The days of the What If Sports Simulator we are hoping are behind us. (laughs) If you listened to our last episode, you know we got some questionable results that you know i mean cam was happy about because he won but still it it was 
a little confusing. And I think, um, you know, now that we are releasing episodes monthly, we have more time to schedule guests, to schedule with them, and to organize things. So Eli, you know, me and Cam, we're playing the same roles. We're both going to be arguing for our separate teams. We're still going to be interacting with each other, but Eli's going to play the middleman. Eli's going to play judge, jury, and executioner for us. And uh, and going to be deciding our winner at the end of the episode and asking questions along the way. But, um, yeah, uh, I think... Uh, should get into it, shall we, boys? Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick little shout out to uh, to one of my buddies, Eric Ochoa, who who listens to the podcast. Um, you know, he's always given me um, constructive criticism along the way. Um, he told me, "Hey, it doesn't seem like you guys um, really love the simulator at the end. I think there could be a better way. Maybe you throw in a third person." And uh, they can kind of be the de facto, the end all be all instead of your simulator. And me and Jay toyed with it a little bit where you thought, I don't know how that's going to work. You know, do we have enough time? But um, yeah, we decided it'd be a really good idea. And in fact, Eli uh, probably will get into it a little bit, but Eli isn't the biggest hockey fan, which is perfect because that's exactly what we want. We want someone um, that's going to be totally impartial to our arguments, someone who may not even know who the players that we're talking about. So that way we can really use our claims of fame and our X factor to sway Eli in our favor. And I think it's going to bring a totally different dimension uh, to the show. So I'm excited for that. Thank you, Eric. My buddy Shannon said the same thing. So um, yeah, I'm ready to go, boys. So I guess before we get started, I think it would be a good idea. You know, if you don't listen to Super Bracket Bros, which you should listen to Super Bracket Bros, by the way. But if you don't, you don't know Eli very well. You know, Eli, just like give us a frame of reference. You know what? You know, you're not the biggest hockey fan, but you know of hockey and you appreciate it, right? Yeah, I'm a fan of like all sports. I always tell people I don't care what sport I'm watching so long as it's competitive. So, yeah, growing up in uh, southeastern Wisconsin, it was either the Blackhawks or the Wild, and I sure shit wasn't going to root for either of them. So, (laughs) it was kind of this, you know, we had the, I had the Brewers, I had the Bucks, I had the Packers, but the NHL was sort of a big, a big, uh, you know, no man's land for me. My brother, he's a big uh, Lightning fan because he had, he played uh, fantasy hockey with Steven Stamkos, so I'm sort of a... If I ever see the lightning doing well, I'm happy that my brother's happy kind of thing. So, but <laughs> yeah, I, I like following hockey. I like following uh, the storylines. I like seeing the highlights and everything, but I'm not as diehard as the other three sports. So uh, I would like for that to change someday. But for now, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to be the, as impartial as I can and learn something new. Yeah, no, I have, uh, I have no doubt our many, uh, I would say level-headed arguments we've had on Super Bracket Rose led me to believe that you would be a great first guest judge <laughs> on this show. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be a good one. And we've got a couple of great teams. Um, we are going to be talking about the 1986-87 Edmonton Oilers versus the 1978-79 Montreal Canadiens. So I think uh, between, uh, you know, two historic franchises you know with a lot of history behind them you know part of the original six and some all-time you know top 10 easily easily great players on both sides and so yeah with the the nhl playoffs starting we figured it would be a a great way to get back onto the ice uh but uh cam tell us a little bit more about the history between these two teams 
So as always, Eli, you know, you've listened to the show. You know how it goes. We start with some head-to-head stats um, just to see how these two teams stack up against each other. Um, And then you can kind of see where they started and where they are now. Uh, Obviously, we're talking about specific years in um, hockey history, but uh, the all-time head-to-head record between the Oilers and the Canadiens, the Oilers actually lead 52 games to 47, and there were four ties as well. Can't forget there are a lot, a lot of ties in hockey. You still get points. Um, And then in the playoffs, surprisingly, um, the teams have only met one time in the playoffs for one series in the 1981 playoffs in the first round. And the Oilers had a clean sweep, three games to zero. And uh, I have a little note here. We're not even going to go into Stanley Cups. Usually I'll talk about <laughs> the team's championships. Um, it would not look good for me. The Canadians have the most in <laughs> hockey. They probably will forever. So, uh, yeah, I'll just leave you guys with that. And, um, you know, it. Eli, unless you have something, I'm going to go right into uh, my 86-87 Edmonton Oilers. That was my favorite thing, looking up the uh, the like any, the Stanley Cup disparity and seeing the you know the Canadians are basically the <laughs> Yankees of hockey and that they have way too many championships that are reasonably <laughs> like assumed. So yeah, no, I'm uh, that's funny. <laughs> and it's not even close. And it's it great comparison to the Yankees because the Yankees haven't won a World Series. In the last, you know, what, 15, 20 years, Canadians mm-hmm. are right there, too. They kind of did all their winning early on. But, um, yeah, great comparison. You're, you're on fire, Eli. And, uh, <laughs> all right, let's, let's start it out. Let's start it out. I got my 86-87 uh, Edmonton Oilers. They had a record of 50 wins, 24 losses, and six ties. Uh, good for 106 points. They finished first in their division, in the Smythe Division. And this is actually our first time covering this era of hockey where the divisions were named after players, coaches, uh, GMs, and that era is from 1974 to 1993. So, um, you know, we're still doing a good job covering really good teams, but now we're into a different era of hockey, which is which is great because I think our style um, on each team totally fits this era of hockey. So a little preseason background for you. I mean, plain and simple, the Oilers owned the 1980s. Um, Between a strong core of drafted players and the emergence of the great one, Wayne Gretzky, those two just combined to be just too strong of a force for the entire NHL. The Oilers made it to the Stanley Cup Finals two of the last three seasons, and they came up just a little bit short of a three-peat after they lost um, in the division finals last season, but... You know, they're the Oilers, and they had the best player in hockey, Wayne Gretzky, so the chances of them winning their third cup in four years, super, super high, Um, and, you know, they were the favorites going into the season. Now, fast forward through the regular season into the playoffs. The team won the President's Trophy, which is awarded to the overall team with the most points, and I already went into that, 106 points. Uh, That's a great, great finish. In their first round of playoffs, they got a bye, um, and then they played... The LA Kings in the semifinal, they would beat them four games to one. Um, You guys will see a common theme. I mean, the Oilers just, they dominated the regular season and then they dominated most of the playoffs. So like I said, they won four games to one. And actually, just a little fun fact, Gretzky would join the LA Kings right after he left Edmonton. Um, He joined the team from 1988 to 1995. Um, and still had a great career with them, but these, the 80s and the Edmonton Oilers, these were Gretzky's glory days. 
Um, after the semifinal win, they'd go on to the division final where they swept the Winnipeg Jets uh, four games to zero. Really wasn't too much of, um, you know, of a competition for the Oilers there. On to the conference final. Again, they would win four games to one over the Detroit Red Wings. So, you know, now they're playing teams that are serious. The Red Wings, the Flyers, teams that are repeat, you know, playoff teams. In the Stanley Cup final, this was the best series that the Oilers had. This was the most fun series as a whole for the NHL playoffs. They won four games to three over the Flyers. Um, They actually also beat the Flyers two seasons ago in 1985 to win the Stanley Cup there. So there was a little bit of history between these two teams. And if you guys watched any of the games, you would definitely see that there was a little bit of bad blood, but... Like I was telling Eli before the show, it's hockey. These guys shook hands after every game. Such a gentleman's game. You know, I just, I really do enjoy it. One last little fact for you. The Oilers outscored the Flyers 22 to 18 in the series. So I just put that in there so you guys could really see how close it was. Obviously it went to game seven, but only four goals separated the teams. And Gretzky, of course, led the way with 11 points, two goals, and nine assists total. Uh, Now we'll talk about the head coach. This is our guy here, Glenn Sather. Really, really interesting guy. Um, And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, I believe he is our first ever player coach on the Ultimate Sports Mashup. Yeah, no, I couldn't think of any others when I saw that note in the document. But yeah, no, I I think so. I, I think we may have talked about maybe baseball, but that's the only thing I can think of. That's okay. Cool. So we're on the same page. I thought it was baseball. I went back through some of the old episodes, couldn't find it, but if anything, he is our first ever player coach in the NHL. So Sather started his career in the NHL in 1966. He played 10 seasons with six different teams. So he kind of bounced around a little bit, uh, but eventually he would join the Edmonton Oilers um, in 1976, but it was actually under the WHA which is the World Hockey Association. So uh, another league, a professional league that was pretty much used to um, design to compete with the NHL. They only lasted about eight years, but for all the leagues that the NHL had to compete with, the WHA lasted the longest. Um, He played and simultaneously coached the Edmonton Oilers for the remaining 18 games of the 1976-77 season. And he actually even scored a goal while also coaching his team to a victory in his first game as head coach. So talk about like exciting, right? You tell the guys, all right, boys, this is the line we're going to use today. By the way, I'm in the first line. Let's go. (laughs) Like just so cool. And he scored. And it was only 18 games. It wasn't like this was never heard of. But um, the late 70s of hockey... Um, you know, aren't like today. You, I don't think you're ever going to see a player coach again. That's just not the way that organizations like to run the team. Could you imagine? Could you imagine What's that? Sean McVay putting some pads on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going in. <laughs> I got the. You know, he wants himself to. up in the slot. Oh heck yeah, he does. You know, he has like <laughs> some secret playbook that he's like under his pillow, like just in case. <laughs> I heard something crazy, guys. I don't know if I, – I can't really back it up. Maybe you guys can. But I know – I believe it was in high school. Sean McVay got high school athlete of the year in whatever state he was in. And I think he beat out someone crazy like Calvin Johnson or something like that. Like he won 
high school football player of the year over a hall of fame player. So I thought that was kind of funny. Sean McVay's got skills, fellas. <laughs> I, say, I, I don't, I don't doubt it. I, I could see him in there. You know, I could see him calling plays, you know, from, <laughs> from the slot. I think, uh, I think that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. He's probably a great Madden coach, but um, <laughs> he's, well, he's a good coach in real life. He's a good coach in real life, but so still in the world hockey association, um, one of Sather's first orders of business was to help lock down future Hall of Famer Wayne Gretzky. So at the time, Gretzky started his career with the with the Edmonton Oilers, right, in the WHA. And then I'll talk about in a second, the WHA would then merge with the NHL. So just before Gretzky makes it to the NHL, the Oilers owner asked Sather, hey, what do you think? Should I draft Gretzky with, you know, this first round pick? And I, it's amazing that this was even a discussion because at the time... <laughs> Wayne Gretzky was really seen as an undersized hockey player. He was a fast skater, but he was undersized. A lot of scouts didn't think that he was going to be able to to play in the NHL, let alone be the best player in the history of the NHL. So this was a, a huge turning point for Sather and the Edmonton Oilers. And when the Oilers owner asked Sather, he just replied, whatever you have to do, get him. We need this guy. I can tell you he's going to be great. And that's what he did. Like I mentioned, the Oilers merged into the NHL in 1979, and Sather kept, you know, he he kept his coaching job. After making it to the playoffs in their inaugural season, 79, the Oilers promoted Sather to president and GM, and they figured, hey, you got a lot going on. You don't need to coach anymore. We're, we'll hire a new coach. And at that time, Sather was the GM president making all these moves. He was responsible for drafting Paul Coffey, Jari Curry, Jari Curry, and Andy Moog. All of those players I'm going to talk about today, all of those players were key contributors. So he did draft these players, but he wasn't coaching the team. After they started 4-9-5, and five, not a very good start at all, <laughs> any way you slice it, Sather was like, all right, I need to get back down there, I need to get on the bench, and I need to coach these guys. He would lead the team to the playoffs every year, including that year, from 1980 to 1986, winning three, cl- winning three cups, along the way. So that is the end of um, the timeline that I want to talk about today, right? 86, 87. But just to leave you guys with one more thing, um, Sather continued to coach the Oilers until 94, and he'd get one more cup after this 86, 87 season. So he ended his coaching career with four Stanley Cups, and uh, Gretzky really attributes his success to his father and and Sather. That's it, really. Um, which is super impressive for the greatest player of all time. You know, he's got a lot of respect for him. But uh, I'm going to rattle off my my lineup here just really quick. So um, normally we talk about our all-stars, Eli, and then we'll talk about if they're in the Hall of Fame. So I did have two all-stars, and that was my right winger, Jari Curry. He was first team all-star. And same with my center, uh, Wayne Gretzky. But what was different is there's always something a little different in our episodes, which is just Sometimes we pick it, sometimes it's just chance. But for this year, there wasn't a traditional NHL All-Star game. There was what was called the Rendezvous 87, which was a two-team series, or I'm sorry, a two-game series between the NHL All-Star team and the Soviet Union national team. So super different. I I believe this was the the first and only time that they did this. And of course, the team split the series, which, you know, that's super fitting. You got two (laughs) of the best teams like ever assembled and they split the series. But 
why why wouldn't you play three games why wouldn't you play three games <laughs> <laughs> like what why leave you need it the tiebreaker you know those exactly. players are so pissed you know like <laughs> everybody's mad <laughs> Well, oh, yeah, man. how would you like it? I mean, I'm competitive. I'm sure these guys are way competitive than me. Like, no one's going to, no one won. But I did mention that because obviously it was a big part of this 86 87 season. But, um, you know, this, the NHL All Star team that they put together was a little bit bigger than your traditional All Star team. So there were a lot of players mm. that maybe wouldn't have made the regular All Star team that made this team. And that's my whole roster, literally. My whole roster, every player I'm going to mention right now played. Um, in that game. So I'm going to start with my right winger, Jari Curry. Uh, this was his seventh NHL season, all with Edmonton. He had 54 goals and 54 assists. Then the other center, Mark Messier. This was his eighth NHL season, all with Edmonton. You guys are going to see a common theme. Um, you know, I was talking to Eli earlier. Hockey players, I don't know what it is. It's just, a, I don't know why they do it. They're just hardworking sons of guns, but the team they get drafted to, they stay with that team until their contract's up and, or until they get traded, until something happens. There's no, oh, I'm, I'm upset with this team or this coach. I want to leave. So you'll see all of my players spent a lot of time with each other, which I think attributed a lot to their success. Um, Messier, he had 37 goals, 70 assists, and he was third in the NHL in assists and points. Then we've got the right winger, Glenn Anderson. Um, oh, by the way, all three of those guys, Curry, Messier, Anderson, all Hall of Famers. This was Anderson's seventh NHL season, all with Edmonton. He had 35 goals, 38 assists. Next is the young gun. This was our left winger, Essa Tikkanen. Uh, only his second NHL season, 22 years old, definitely one of the youngest players on the team, and by far the youngest contributor. Um, I mean, this guy scored goals, uh, passed the puck really well. He had 34 goals, 44 assists. And his 27% shooting percentage was good for second in all of the NHL. Um, so this guy made some noise right away. I got two players left. My defenseman, my main defenseman, that's going to be Paul Coffey. Again, another Hall of Famer. And he was selected for that All-Star game, but he didn't actually play. Seventh NHL season, all with Edmonton. Um, and I'll talk about it a little bit later. He missed some games, but 17 goals, 50 assists, still contributed enough to help his team out and then the man of the hour it's it's Wayne Gretzky hall of famer um best player in hockey this was his eighth NHL season all with Edmonton so he was still very much writing his his book you know at this time his his NHL story 62 goals 121 assists and I don't want to spoil it um you know I got a lot more on him later so that is my roster right there for you guys solid bunch of boys you got there <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> no, uh, the the Oilers were uh, definitely a great team, a great force, and so. Uh, but yeah, let me uh, let me jump into my my Canadians. So I'm going to be talking about the 1978-79 Montreal Canadiens. They had a record of 52, 17, and 11. They also finished first in their division, which at the time was the Norris Division. Before this season, the Canadians were winners of the Stanley Cup the last three years in a row prior to the start of the season. Before the Oilers were the team to beat, it was the Canadians who dominated the league. Up until this season, they had won 14 out of the previous 23 
seasons 14 championships of the last 23 seasons Jesus. That, that that's that's a stretch of two and a half decades where 50 percent of the time the champion at the end of the league was montreal <laughs> the, <laughs> so this team this team today that we had, that we're talking about had a lot to live up to and they were able to get it done Having earned the second overall seed in the playoffs with 115 points during the regular season, they were just one short of the top spot, they earned a bye before playing the Toronto Maple Leafs in the quarterfinals. They would go on to sweep them, going 4-0, but not without a fight. In the first two games for Montreal, they dominated, outscoring the outscoring the Maple Leafs 10-3. However, there would be a combined three overtimes back in Toronto before our Canadians would come out on top. In the playoff semifinals, they would face Rick Middleton and the Boston Bruins in a tight series. However, it was in Game 7 that Guy Lafleur would tie it up with a minute 14 to go in the final period, and then it was Yvonne Lambert who would score the series-winning goal halfway through overtime. It would turn out that every game in the series was won by the home team, and the Canadians capitalized the series in the Montreal Forum in dramatic fashion. Lastly, they would go on to win the Stanley Cup Finals in less dramatic fashion, toppling the New York Rangers 4-1. Having won their fourth consecutive title, they entered elite company in North American sports history, being the only team outside the New York metro area that has won four in a row in any of the major North American sports. And I thought that was interesting, like the <laughs> the the New York addendum there, and talking about the Yankees and talking about the Islanders too. Um, both of those franchises have won four in a row. The Islanders immediately after this Canadians run was done, the Islanders would win four in a row, and then obviously the Yankees several decades prior to this. But nobody's really nobody's done it since. Then head coach, a man that we've mentioned before on the show, Scotty Bowman. So I'm not going to spend too much time here. If you want to know more about Scotty, go back and listen to our Red Wings episode, um, with, which Cam does a great breakdown of Scotty Bowman. But to sum it up in one sentence, he is the greatest coach in NHL history. Like <laughs> that, that, that is without a fact. That is indisputable. He has more wins than any other coach in NHL history. He has won the cup with three different franchises. He's taken four different franchises to the finals. Um, it's just an absolutely incredible coach. He's coached the Blues, the Canadians, the Sabres, the Penguins, and lastly, he ended with the Wings. And yeah, and he also holds the record for the most wins in Stanley Cup playoffs with 223. Uh, nine total finals wins as head coach, and then later five as a member of the front office. So all around one of the greatest to ever touch the game, period. Moving into my roster, I'm going to start with my man of the hour, you know, the the, the man that's going to take me to the promised land. You know, I know Cam's got Wayne over there, but I've got right winger Guy Lafleur. Uh, Looks like Guy Lafleur. If you're curious who this Guy is coming from, but it's Guy Lafleur. I, you know, have been recently informed in an off uh, off air conversation. Um, this was his eighth season in the NHL. Uh, 52 goals, 77 assists, and for context, he is considered one of the greatest players of all time. He is regularly in the top ten all time conversation. Uh, then you have center Pierre Mondou. Uh, this was his second season, 31 goals, 41 assists. Left winger Yvonne Lambert. This was his sixth season, 26 goals and 40 assists. You know, you've got a couple of contributors here. Uh, I'm going to talk about a lot of Hall of Famers later in this episode, but I wanted to give shout outs to the guys who 
you know, weren't in the Hall of Fame who were big contributors um, that put up a lot of points. Um, then you have right winger Yvonne Cognua. This was his 16th season. He only had seven points, but he was the team captain. He spent his entire career with Montreal and his second all-time for most final wins with 10 as a player. His legacy includes many top 10 Canadian records, including 7th in games played, 4th in goals scored, and 7th in assists. Another Hall of Famer here, you have defenseman Larry Robinson. This was his 6th season. He had 16 goals, but he had 45 assists. This man was 6'4", 225 pounds. He was a big man to put on skates, and he was a punisher. Uh, Paired with the rock-solid Sergei Savard, it allowed Robinson to play extremely aggressively and make the rest of the team on the ice better for it. He was a two-time Norris Trophy winner, and Norris Trophy, by the way, goes to the NHL's best defenseman of the year. And then, finally, goalie Ken Dryden. Again, going to be talking about him later, but this was his eighth season. He went 30-10-7 and and had a 91% save percentage. But, uh, yeah, that is the roster and the coach for the Canadians. And that's the end of my sentence. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Eli? Any... uh thing that you want to to chime in really quick i mean you know our our teams are only 10 years apart so um you know it's not like we're talking about like the 1950s hockeys compared to now um is there anything that jumps out at you right away um not so much specifically in the time era but this is like one of those matchups i love in sports where you kind of have one team that's spearheaded by you know one of the goats you know wayne gretzky kind of gets all the media and is like the guy on the Edmonton Oilers. Whereas, like you said, Jay, that Scotty Bowman is the coach, you know, the goat coach. So you kind of have mm-hmm. this, you kind of have the the Gretzky-led uh, Edmonton Oilers versus the Bowman uh, Montreal Canadiens. So you almost have like, you know, the sum is greater than all its parts or, you know, the part that's the greatest of all matching up. I think that's a really cool way of looking at this. And obviously, you know, the Canadians aren't slouches either. You got, you know all these hall hall of famers on it um but you also have like the jari curries i don't know there's just a lot of like moving parts here that i'm super interested in seeing how they match up because like you said they're so close in in years and time frames that it's not going to be they could probably have played each other (laughs) you know out of retirement and they would have been fine (laughs) so yeah for sure i think that's a great way of of looking at it you know when i first looked at this matchup i was looking more uh, you know, player versus player, right? Wayne Gretzky, the captain, um, Lafleur, you know, another Hall of Famer and a great player on on Jay's team. But you're right. I mean, it is very much going to be a battle between what is Scotty Bowman going to do to slow down Wayne Gretzky, and what is Rain, Wayne Gretzky going to do to keep his team involved? Because you know he is the greatest player of all time. But make no mistake, Gretzky had a few games mixed in between there where. You know, he he was on the milk carton and his team had to pick up for him. And if you can do that, you're in really good shape. If you have the best player on your team and you can, you know, he's not contributing and you still win, that's great. But all right, Eli. Yeah, I like where your head's at for sure. Um, I'm going to throw my first claim to fame at you here. And that's going to be the strong yet, I would say, underrated defensive play. Um and basically, I'm going to get it out there now. It's underrated because they were average. Um, they were every like defensive stat, they were just at the league average. So 
I don't think that's going to hurt my argument, but I do think that it helps a little bit because I'm going to get into the averages of each years that we had. The Oilers gave up 284 total goals, which was about three and a half goals per game, which ranked them 12th of 21 teams. So like I said, right in the middle, the league average at the time was 3.6 goals allowed. So they were just under that. But the league average in Jay's season, 1978, was right at three and a half. So again, they were just under the league average in the 80s, but they were right at the league average for Jay's uh, Jay's season, 1978. Just shows that they could still play with the best of them, even though um, we're talking about a few different seasons here. They were ninth in power play goals against. And that's when the defense is shorthanded and they have a player or a couple players in the penalty box. And obviously, I mean, it's it's hard to stop a team from scoring when they have more players on the ice. But this team, they were solid. They were, each player had very high IQs. Um, Sather, being a player coach, I think helped in this scenario. Um, killing the puck, making sure that teams don't get those those easy goals. So when, Getz, when Gretzky could stay on the ice. I'm going to break down two defensemen and then two goalies really quick. The first defenseman I already talked about, uh, that's Paul Coffey. He was a true offensive defenseman. He pushed the puck into the zone just like any of the offensive players would, except for he was a madman. He would push it into the zone, try and help his team score, and then he would skate all the way back down the ice and play defense. So, um, you know, you definitely get that a lot more nowadays. I think players can play both ways. Their skating ability is just top-notch, but Paul Coffey was was phenomenal at that. And he actually did miss 21 games this season, but if you look at it, I mean, he still managed to to collect 67 points, which was good for six on the team and still led all of the other defensemen on the Oilers. So I just wanted to make sure, Eli, that you saw his numbers were still really good. You know, imagine if he played a whole season. Um, imagine where his numbers would have been. Imagine how much more uh, winning this team would have done. And last but not least, uh, Coffee averaged 0.85 assists per game, so just under one assist per game, which was good for fourth in the NF- in the NFL, fourth in the NHL. Um, so super impressive there. Another defenseman, Kevin Lowe. Um, he was an All Star this year for that um, for that All Star game. He was the alternate captain for the team. So obviously being a, a, the captain, um, an alternate captain, I should say, you're doing things right. You're respected by your your peers. You're respected by your coach. Um, he was just a natural-born leader who did anything the team needed him to. This year he had eight goals, 29 assists, and his plus-minus was 42. So the plus-minus calculates if a player is on the ice when his team scores and when the player is on the ice, when his team lets up a score. So plus, you get one every time you're on the ice for your team's goal, plus one. You get a minus for every time you're on the ice for when the opponent scores. So he was 42 above, which is fantastic. And again, he's got that championship experience, six total Stanley Cups in his career. I really look for Kevin Lowe and Paul Coffey to slow down Jay's offensive attack. And I think that they're more more than capable, especially um, given that they can score as well. And then I've got two goalies who split time all year, which you really don't see a lot. If you have two healthy goalies, usually you'll play one the whole season until you need to play the other. But that just wasn't the case. They kind of sather rode the hot hand 
I'll start with the younger guy here, Andy Moog. He played in a few more games, so he played in 46 games. He had a 28-11 record and an 88 save percentage, and he was fourth in the NHL in wins. And again, imagine if he played the whole season. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure we can use some pretty easy math. He probably would have led the league in wins, which as a backup goalie would have just been fantastic. So, um, again, Eli, I just want to reiterate that having two goalies and two lights-out goalies doesn't happen a lot. So this was a really, really good problem to have. And then uh, my last goalie, my main goalie, he was an all-star this year, and he is a Hall of Famer as well. He played in 44 games. He had a 22-13 and 13 record, but he was our playoff goalie. He played in 19 of 21 games in the playoffs with a 14-5 and five record, and he he upped his save percentage just a little bit. He had a 90% save percentage. And the number that I really love is the 2.47 goals against. Um, anytime you're under two and a half is fantastic. Um, you don't really get too many um, goalies that can go throughout the, the playoffs where you're playing the best of the best. And he's letting up less than three goals. Uh, last but not least, he won the Vizinha Trophy the next season. So after this, which was awarded to the best goaltender in the NHL. So this team, Sather had just an embarrassment of riches at his disposal. He had the best player in the league. He had basically the best goalie in the league, but not only one, he had two of them. And then he had defensemen who weren't afraid to score. So um, I started this as my claim to fame number one because I think this is going to be my first line of... Sounds weird, but it's going to be my first line of offensive defense where we need these guys to um, keep Jay's team at bay. But the main argument that I have is that if everybody's playing, clicking on all cylinders, you're going to forget it. Somehow you're going to forget about Wayne Gretzky. And when you do, he's going to snipe one in the back of the net and then you're fucked. You're fucked because he's going to he's going to get hot <laughs> and there's there's nothing you could do. He is the best player in hockey, but I'm going to save that for my X factor. Um, so there you go, Jay. I started with defense for you. Uh, what do you got? Well, I have um, potentially the greatest team ever assembled. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think as Touché. a unit, I think as a unit, my team dominates. Uh, I it, the the greatness is almost unfathomable. Uh, I I it. So I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to try to put it into words here. Um, and basically, my first claim to fame is that my team overall has the experience. You know, they, they so many of them were the best in their positions in their years. It's it's ludicrous. Um, but this team won more consistently. They snatched a Stanley Cup in 1986 in the middle <laughs> of the Oilers winning streak, I will add. Um, you know, well, the Oilers, you know, won two and two, and that's great. Um, the Habs, they won four in a row, you know, and that's that's greatness. And while the Oilers had seven future Hall of Famers, the Habs had ten on their team. They had two left wings, one center, two right wings, <laughs> four defensemen, and one goalie, all in the Hall of Fame today on this team that we're talking about today. So let me talk about some of these Hall of Famers. Left winger Bob Gainey, four-time Selkie 
Trophy award winner, and this is an award that goes to a forward who demonstrates the best defense in the league, including in 1979, and he was the Conn Smythe winner in 1979. Conn Smythe goes to the playoffs MVP. So Bob Gainey, you know, uh, someone who's meant to play offense, you know, it's amazing to have a Hall of Famer be able to play defense, you know, uh, you know, at the left wing position, you know, I think is going to be an incredible asset to this team. Then you have left winger Steve Shutt. He was the first left winger to ever score them more than 60 goals in a single season. He was known for his eye-hand coordination and his ability to score what you would call a garbage goal. He combined combined with an insanely accurate slap shot, his goals either came from a few feet away from a rebound or just barely a foot inside the offensive zone. All of all of his goals, you know, were wildly different, you know, uh, lengths away from the actual goal and truly a joy to watch. Then you have center Jacques Lemaire, one of six players to have scored two Stanley Cup winning goals. Maybe not as prolific as the other Hall of Famers here, but he was clutch and consistent too, having scored more than 20 goals in each of his 12 seasons in the league. Then you have right winger, the captain I mentioned earlier, Yvon Cornier, nicknamed the Roadrunner. The captain of this team did not have the best year this particular season, but I'd argue that he didn't need to. I would say if he had been on a different team, he would have scored a lot more points than he did this particular season. You know, he would have needed to. But he was truly here just to provide championship experience. This was towards the end of his career, and he had won seven or eight, maybe nine up until this point. This might have been his tenth. And so he truly, I think, is like a, a, a team that's already won three championships in the last year. You don't probably need a heck of a lot of championship you know, experience, you know. But this guy ha- has more than any, you know, and so he's able to, you know, provide a lot of that coaching, you know, from a player standpoint, I think um, that is going to be vital. Starting out the defensive line, you have Rod Langway, nicknamed Secretary of Defense. He would go on to spend most of his career with the Capitals, where he demanded the most of his teammates, and he was a captain. He is a two-times Norris Trophy winner, which I believe was mentioned already, goes to the best defenseman in the league. You have defenseman Sergei Savard, Conn Smythe winner in 1969, and in 1979, he won the Bill Masterson Memorial Trophy, which is given to the player who most exemplifies sportsmanship, perseverance, and dedication to ice hockey. So it's a, it's a sportsmanship award, but he won it this year. You know, so all around good guy. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, he played opposite to Robinson, and those two together made it an amazing team. Then you have defenseman Guy Lapointe. While Langway was a piece of the championships, it was LaPointe who was the third piece behind Savard and behind Robinson. He was sort of the third person in what was considered a big three, and he played in four All-Star games during his career, and of course, would later become a Hall of Famer, just like every name I just mentioned. (laughs) At goalie, you have Dryden. He was second in his respective season in save percentage in the entire league, while neither Moog nor Fuhrer were in the top 10 of their league during the regular season. Dryden won the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year and Conn Smythe in 1972, and he would win the Vezina Trophy five times. 
during the course of his career, including in 1979. And so... My argument is that we have 10 Hall of Famers. That is enough to make up two entire lines of, of a hockey team. You know, it just doesn't stop. When you when the first line goes down, the second line comes in, and they are Hall of Famers as well. And you, you have four defensemen, four defensemen, you know, who are w- more than willing to knock Gretzky on his ass and I think that is going to happen so much during the course of this series I think Gretzky is not going to be able to get a clear line obviously he's an offensive machine I cannot possibly hope to contain he's going to get his goals he's going to get his assists but perhaps maybe we can knock him down just <laughs> enough times you know to, to to prevent a massacre and so I think just generally overall you know I mean if what one goes into the penalty box and it doesn't matter you know we've got every single position we've got hall of famers and I think that experience I think that level of ability I think and I think all of it being brought together as a team it's not like these guys you know I I would say outside of Langway outside of the secretary of defense who went on and earned a Hall of Fame career because he was with the Capitals. All these other guys, it's because they won in Montreal. It's because they won during these years, you know, and so they brought each other to the Hall of Fame. And I think their togetherness as a team and their ability to lift each other up as Hall of Famers is what's going to take us to the take us to the promised land today. And Eli, just before I, I let you chime in, uh, I got to give Jay a quick jab. You know, we already talked about the goalies, my goalies, right? I have two of them. And so Jay did mention that neither of my goalies were in the top 10. And that's true. And that's true. But, you know, we already deduced that had my goalies, one of them played a full season, maybe they'd be up to par with Jay's goalie. Um, and then again, I got to go on the other side because I'm just a nice guy. Five Vizinia trophies is crazy. That's super, super impressive. Um, you know, these guys own the seventies, much like the Oilers own the eighties. So Eli, I know we threw a lot at you. What can you take away from, from our arguments there? I kind of see you guys are kind of expounded on sort of the theme that you set up in the beginning, you know, where it's like, uh, uh, Gretzky versus Bowman. You guys sort of like compounded that, uh, Cameron, you talked about players who are kind of like you mentioned individual players and their successes alongside Gretzky where Jay, you kind of doubled down on like the team and the coach and all that. So I think the players you mentioned almost exacerbate what you guys are talking about. You know, the individual performances of the Oilers versus the team focused of the, uh, of the Canadiens. So yeah, I'm very interested in seeing if the individual play of the Oilers are able to chip away at this, hall of fame machine of the canadians this is this is a very interesting setup you guys have going on so eli i kind of want to get like a thermometer check here do you have a particular way that you might be leaning so far Ooh, you're gonna put that on <laughs> like uh, cam i love that you brought up all the individual performances of like you know grant fjord and andy mook that's crazy having two goalies being that good Lowe and kofi are you know excellent in their own respects but Jay, you came out with the Hall of Famers like a bandolier on your belt, <laughs> just throwing that ammunition. So right now, I've, it's hard to argue, especially with a team game like hockey. It's not like the NBA 
where you see a lot of individual performances being able to lead a team consistently to championships. Hockey, the best players on the ice for not even like 20 minutes of, you know, not even a full period. So in terms of that, you know, Jay brought up a really good argument by bringing up all these Hall of Fame talent. But so, yeah, I would say that's compelling, but it's hard to, you know, it's Gretzky, man. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, But I will say, I will say of the two arguments, I think what Jay with the hall of fame caliber and the stats of said hall of fame uh players it's man that's 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 spicy i'm interested in seeing how you're going to combat that cam yeah it's it's definitely spicy and and jay said right i think you said you had 10 jay to my seven hall of famers so mm-hmm. that's it doesn't seem like much but if you have three more players who are are just fantastic players than i have i mean that's hard to combat right but I, I'm going to do my best here, and of course I have to start with with the great one, and that is Wayne Gretzky. So we're skipping our second claim to fame, and we're going right into our X-Factor. And my X-Factor, I named it the great one and his great team. And I think that's even more fitting because Eli was saying, you know, I kind of went individual at first. Now I'm going to give you that team aspect in how they worked really, really well together. And hopefully that'll save me a little bit. So the great one and his great team. Jay's Canadians team was great. You know, one of the greatest ever. When I was doing my research, I was hoping that they would put this Oilers team above Jay's Canadians team in like the hockey history. But really, they were really close. But Jay's team just has the numbers. So I will give you this. I had three Oiler players that scored over 100 points in their season compared to Jay's one. So I've got three players who are capable of, of putting the puck anywhere it needs to go. You had Gretzky, Curry, each scored more goals than Jay's highest score. You had Gretzky with 62, Curry with 54, Jay's highest score with 52. So I've got two guys, two on one, a little bit better. Um, And then as a team, the Oilers did score 35 more goals um, total on the season. So the offensive power isn't a question. I wanted to start defensively to really open this up. But let's go into Gretzky quickly here. He just, and you guys know this, Eli knows who Gretzky is, even though he's not a big hockey fan. He just always looked like he was the best player on the ice. You know, he had great vision. Um, really, really fast skater and a high IQ for the game. And I mentioned before that he was a little bit undersized, but he made up for it everywhere else. No look passes, um, you know, just a slap shot from hell. A guy that was able to, first off, I think it's just, it helps being a great player where you're taking the pressure off of your team a little bit. I mean, he's getting double, triple teamed, you know, not like basketball quite like that, but you know, anytime he has the puck, they're crashing him. So that gives his his teammates a little bit extra to work with um Gretzky won basically every single award given out to offensive players this season and throughout his career I'm not going to name them all I mean it's 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 an endless list really including this year where Gretzky got NHL player of the year in this season 1986 Gretzky finished first in the NHL in goals assists points plus minus total goals on ice four and points per game. He averaged over two points per game. That's insane. I mean, so 
You know, I know like Jay, good luck. You have great defenders and a great coach, but if no one else in the history of hockey could stop him, I mean, your team's really good, but can they do it? I just don't know. This year, Gretzky had four hat tricks. And like I mentioned, just no one was able to stop him over, over the last 15 years of his career. So I, I really don't think this Canadians team will be the ones that slow him down. But, but if by some miracle they do, I've got Jari Curry, who is the team's second best goal scorer behind Gretzky. Ice in his veins. No moment or game was ever too big for this guy. He had 10 game-winning goals, which was tied for second in the NHL. Let alone, you're playing next to Wayne Gretzky. So for you to to get the puck and to close out the games 10 times, super impressive. And Gretzky Curry is widely regarded as one of the best, if not the best, duos in NHL history. Jay and I have covered a lot of good teams. We covered the Red Wings. We covered a Pittsburgh uh, Penguins team. This These two guys were unstoppable, Jari and Gretzky. And if, say, that doesn't work, you somehow lock up those two guys and they don't do what they're supposed to. I've got two more players. I've got Anderson, who is a very consistent right winger, gave a lot, a lot of stability to the team when Gretzky and Curry were on the bench, even though they weren't on the bench for, for very long because they were always changing their lines. Anderson played in all 80 games. I think that was something I really wanted to talk about because to play in all 80 games um, is super impressive with how physical hockey is. And for his team to be this good, he really didn't have to play in all 80 games. They were winning games without him. They were winning games when Gretzky wasn't great. But as a team, these guys just clicked so well when the moment mattered. In the playoffs, I showed you their records. They were fantastic. Last but not least, you had Messier, super intense player. Um, He was the hard-nosed physical guy who, you know, played like he had a fire lit under his ass. He was so serious that I wonder if his own teammates got upset with him sometimes. Like, dude, live a little. We're the best team in the (laughs) NHL, right? But he didn't care. He just wanted to win every game. Career high for him, 107 points. And I think this is my best stat that I can give you, Eli, and to the listeners out there that is really going to bring my team together. Because you're right, I have a lot of individual players, but those three guys that I mentioned, um, Gretzky, Curry, Messier, they finished the NHL season one, two, and three in points scored. First, second, and third. I tried to look it up. I don't think I've ever seen it. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It is just so crazy how good these guys are, how skilled they were with the puck. And then one last thing. I'm sorry, Jay, I totally went over the X-Factor time. But, um, you know, these guys to score that many goals, it's just, it's unheard of. And to go one, two, and three, it's it's obviously no wonder they won so many games. But these guys have played together five, six, seven years. They built up camaraderie they built up a style of play that the nhl figured out but the teams that they played could not so that is the last thing i have for you i went defense first then changed it up on you for offense i hope that brought my team aspect a little bit more in picture for you eli um but that is all i have jay good luck you're gonna need it (laughs) so for my final x factor and maybe Maybe I could have gone a different direction here, but I wanted to make the argument that not that Wayne Gretzky isn't as great as you think he is, because he is. 
he he actually is like he you know him and Lemieux are on a different planet man like though they are are playing at a, at a, at a ability unseen today and i i'm not gonna argue against wayne gretzky but i am gonna argue that guy that Guy the fleur is is closer than you think i think there's some key stats i think that you know that he bridges that gap enough that the rest of the team makes up for that small gap that i think exists so let me get into it a little bit more. So Lafleur, three-time Art Ross Trophy winner in the in the last three years leading up to this year, uh, two-time Hart Trophy Award winner also leading up to this season, and won the Conn Smythe in 1977. So he's got awards. You know, maybe he doesn't have every single one from the 1980s <laughs> like somebody else, but he's got awards. You know, he was the best player in the league at this time. He. To compare the two a little bit, uh, Guy had 0.5 goals per game. Wayne Gretzky, 0. 0.6. 0. 0.6, obviously better than 0. 0.5, but it's it's pretty close. You know, in the grand scheme of things, that it's pretty close. Shooting percentage-wise, Guy Lafleur had 15.9. Wayne Gretzky, 17.6. Wayne Gretzky, a little bit more accurate, but again, not by a whole heck of a lot. And this is one thing that I did think was interesting is that LaFleur had 98 game-winning goals versus Wayne Gretzky's 91 game-winning goals. So despite having a shorter career by a few seasons and, you know, being a less prolific, LaFleur, he was more clutch. You know, at the end of the game, you know, LaFleur was the guy that was going to have the puck that was going to be able to put it in. Like I said, there's no doubt that Gretzky is greater, but I think that LaFleur is right there and I would argue in fact that LaFleur was more clutch than Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky was an offensive machine but LaFleur had a bit more touch in those final moments of the game. In their respective seasons that we're talking about today, LaFleur made 13 game-winning goals and two game winners in the playoffs. Gretzky had four in the regular season and zero in the playoffs of the years that we're talking about. So I would argue that Lafleur is is good enough to you know like it and they're like to say that you're good enough to like get close to Wayne Gretzky makes you one of the greatest players of all time. Like <laughs> you know I I under I understand that you know but which is an amazing compliment to him and I think he's good enough to get us to the promised land. I think he's good enough to get us over the top. You know whereas you know Wayne Gretzky might score three goals, and then you might have Messier come in with two more, but then the Canadians are going to score six, you know, and it's going to come from, you know, five or six different players. And so that that is my final X factor, that Guy Lafleur is good enough. <laughs> I love it. Eli, any uh, questions, comments, concerns, anything that's uh, sticking out to you there? Man, I this is crazy. Like you guys have brought such interesting teams. Uh again, I just keep going back. I love that Cam brought up all these individual performers. It wasn't just Gretzky. Jari Curry was amazing. Messier is an, also in the league. Like the one, two, three, that's like in points, that's like almost comical. Like <laughs> you don't even see that in like video games. Um, but 
like uh to jay's point though lafleur you know he has his own success and like like the kind of the point has been like he's been the leader of this team made up of hall of fame talent so yeah if we're doing a little thermometer check based off of you know these x factors man cam made such a persuasive argument with just the absurd ability of the players on the oilers that i man i'm kind of teeter-tottering between the two right now (laughs) yeah i think and that's great at least we presented you know really good arguments right on both sides and um you know jay's got something to say but just just before that uh the game winning goals that actually is pretty surprising um to be honest with you i didn't think that they would be that um lopsided but the only thing that i have for you in that aspect was then we went into um my guy uh jari curry who had the 10 game winning goals and when gretzky wasn't scoring there was always that second option and guess who was making that pass it was gretzky so he never got like really shut down there were just games where he had one assist instead of three goals so there was just there was always a chance that Gretzky was going to make it happen. In fact, I would argue, um, looking at the stats, I wish I would have got to see Gretzky play. Right, it's like one of those Michael Jordan things. I just the videos don't do it enough justice. But I would almost argue that Gretzky was a better passer than he was a scorer. His assist numbers every year were just fantastic. So, um, yeah, I just didn't want that to you know to to fall on deaf ears at all. You know, um. Yeah, unless you can tell me the number of game-winning assists Gretzky had, I don't believe you. I think that's <laughs> invalid. I would like to. I think we need to bring in a fourth guest as a referee <laughs> to, to disallow that. But no, I uh, I'm sure, sure you know, 121 assists. Yeah, I'm sure some of them were probably game-winning, probably you know, just by law, big numbers. But uh, yeah, right. okay. <laughs> so Eli, did you um did you know like any of these other players? Have you heard of any of these other other players at all on either team? Yeah, I've heard of um I should say like I've done some minor like hockey research and you know, my several attempts to get into hockey. I know about the Currys, I know uh Messier, um I knew LaFleur, um but a lot of these, you know, deep cuts <laughs> that that you know they're not uh, as common knowledge to a super casual fan like myself. So I had no idea about you know all those how insane the the Habs legacy was, you know, in the seventies or even that like I'm still I'm also still strung up on that goalies uh, that Cam brought up. That is so stupid to have two goalies that are both like so excellent. <laughs> <laughs> like it is kind of stupid right really like you said just an embarrassment of riches so yeah i love how you guys have compiled all these you know players and contextualized them into this competition do you have anything else then you want to you want to throw in there because i feel like i sort of threw in a little bit yeah and i think like really the only thing that i'll say as i mean you're right you know gretzky is great curry is great messier is great i would say that like that between all of my players we have the same attributes that your players have i think like you're looking at gretzky able to score from anywhere able to pass from anywhere and we have like guys like steve shut you know steve shut you know maybe not known for being a great passer 
but he can score from anywhere. You know, he can score up close and he can score from really far away. You know, like we have different guys who have different abilities. I think make up the abilities of Wayne Gretzky or Curry or Messier. And I think, um, you know, I think your top three, you know, obviously you have seven Hall of Famers. I have 10. But we have a there's an upper echelon of Hall of Famers, and I think you know like my top five Hall of Famers equal your top three. You know I think those things kind of battle each other out. But um, yeah, uh, that that was the last thing I wanted to say. But uh, I think I think it's time to toss it over to Eli. What do you think? I think it's time, man. Pressure's on you, buddy. Oh no. <laughs> so Eli, give us your final thoughts. Give us your reason why, and then who would win in a seven-game series. Yeah, this is so tough. It's tough for me because I'm not as ho- as avid of a hockey watcher as I am with the other sports, so it's almost a little more difficult for me to imagine this series playing out. But through your guys' arguments, I've sort of constructed my theater of the mind, and I'm watching the games play out. And I can, I can totally see if both these teams were in the season, I could see the Montreal team being at the top, you know, throughout the season, they're number one. Um, and... Uh, like Edmonton is right there nipping at their heels and Edmonton kind of has that like they get hot all of a sudden so you got like the juggernaut Montreal versus sort of the hot uh, you know sniping uh, Oilers Um, it's just two different philosophies combating each other and it was so difficult for me to like think because you both brought up such interesting points that counteract each other but man I if you're gonna twist my arm I think I'm going to go with the Canadians. I'm going to go with the Canadians. Four, f- they're going to win four uh, to three. I think it's a seven-game series. I think they go wire to wire. What really set me over the edge was the defense. Jay brought up the the more defensive plays from the Rod Langways, Sergey Savard, and Guy Lapointe, um, where. Cam's argument was it's you know the defense is good enough (laughs) you know what I mean right (laughs) for the Oilers (laughs) you know like they're average well it's like and I I was willing to give you like an edge because of the goalie situation because I'm looking at Grant Fuhrer's you know 14 and 5 record in the playoffs that's insane but Dryden was the Con Smythe winner, which is the best player in the playoffs so (laughs) so the goalie situation um kind of levels out there so i i just i'm so i know hockey is so much more focused as a team sport and you see that like you know the most popular players right now in hockey the Connor mcdavid's the ovechkins the the sydney crosby's they're on the ice not as much as like you know a lebron james and you know those star caliber sports that are driven by individual players hockey is so much determined on depth on 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 the the levels of that you can go down and i just think the montreal canadians team just has more levels like you said i think the your cam's line with the uh with gretzky messier curry best line probably in this game but i think jay has a few more lines that can put out uh more points and just more defensive plays plus scotty bowman i think will uh be able to pull out you know kind of that x factor it wasn't he wasn't your x factor jay but to me i think that's the x factor i think scott bowman is sort of the the one the thing that puts the montreal canadians over the edge so yeah i'm gonna go canadians for uh four games to three 
Well, congratulations, Eli. You get to continue being the co-host of Super Bracket Bros. (laughs) (laughs) I see him holding up my contract right now, and he didn't rip it. Like, he was pulling a ripping (laughs) position as I was giving my reasons. I'm glad you brought up uh, Bowman, because he was... You know, you when we got done talking about our coaches and our rosters, you talked about Scotty Bowman. And you're like, okay, so Jay has the coach. Cam's got the player. How is that going to break down? And I think that was, you dissected it perfectly. You know, like, you know how these brackets go, right? I mean, you're super bracket bros. You guys know how these brackets <laughs> go and, and what goes into them. So I, I totally respect your opinion. And um, I do wish that I would have talked like a little bit more about some of my like lesser known players. Like the I talked about my left winger Essa Tikkanen, the 22 year old who um, you know was fantastic. He had the second highest shooting percentage in the NHL. But it's you know it's hard to like what was I gonna say? Like all right, my young gun is gonna outskate your old guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you just I just couldn't really take that into. You know, I couldn't ride off into the sunset with that. So I really had to go heavy on Gretzky, but I wanted to make sure too that I talked about some of the other players because it very much was a a one, two, three. It was a three-headed dragon with, with Messier, Curry, and Gretzky. But I do respect it. And Jay, just for your um just for the clarity, I know I did win the last episode, but I didn't mark it on the list because it didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. So <laughs> yeah, just so you know, I wasn't I wasn't super happy about it, but I do I loved it. I loved that Eli came in and and listened to everything and I hope you got everything off your chest that you wanted to Eli. I hope we gave you enough time. Yeah, for sure. You guys gave me so much that it was difficult to process it all and to make it as succinct as possible, so I tried my best, but no, it was it was so fun. Like you know, this might be the thing that finally gets me over that hockey fandom edge, you know? So, (laughs) yeah, I think, uh, I think we, I think we might've entered a new era of the ultimate sports mashup. I think, uh, I think this is going to definitely be the way to go. And I definitely appreciated your insights, Eli. Obviously I appreciate them more because you picked me, but, um, you know, I definitely, (laughs) I think, um, that you did a great job breaking things down and explaining your thought process. And I think has given us a lot of pointers going forward, you know, as we work with guests who maybe we're less familiar with, you know, that I don't have, you know, a different podcast with, you know, with a hundred plus episodes, you know, I think, uh, I think we've got some good pointers going forward and a, a, a pretty good structure, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, thanks for taking the time to come on, Eli. I, I, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you guys so much. This was so much fun. Yeah. Thanks Eli. And, and maybe, uh, once Jay's all settled in, Jay's going to be moving into a new apartment and, uh, maybe once he's all settled in, we can get get each other to a Brewers game or something. I think that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> mm, yeah, that'd be a good time. Yeah, we'll record one of the stands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> live ultimate sports mashup of the game we're currently watching. <laughs> Dude, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, thank you all so much for joining us on today's episode of the Ultimate Sports Mashup. As always, two historic sports teams came into battle, but only one left as the ultimate champion. If you want to continue to travel back through the sports time continuum to help us create some of the best what-if sports mashups of all time, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ultimate Sports Mashup. But until the next sport in the next decade, I've been Jay. And I'm Cam. And we'll see you next time.